Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> been challenged with this, and the, and the question is, if you give through your estate, is it actually giving? I mean, think as a parent for a minute. You know your kids very well. You go away on a trip. You know what each kid, each child would really like. And you don't buy them all the same thing. You buy them what you think they would definitely appreciate more. And, and we said previously, you know, it's, there is going to be a family meeting. It's, it's a matter of are you going to be in attendance or not. What I have, how can I make sure that, one, I'm using it wisely right now, and two... Um, should I pass, I can pass that on wisely. Very sobering and challenging information, but important because it's based on God's word and that's what guides all of our lives. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And here's your host, Sean Adeyemi president and senior financial planner at SA Capital Advisors. And thanks for tuning in. Uh, you listen to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. Um, if you missed the previous episodes, you can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast. You can write to us at podcast at sacapital.ca. You can find us on Facebook, sacapital.ca slash, sorry, facebook.com slash sacapitaladvisors or at AC Capital Canada at, on Twitter. Um, if you're just joining in, we've been having a conversation on splitting heirs, how to give money to your children without ruining their lives. And uh, part of this conversation, we invited our guest, Lauren Robinson, who is uh, president of Kingdom Advisors, a Christian organization that helps uh, financial professionals integrate their faith with their work. And Thanks for joining us again, Lauren. And we're going to continue this conversation. Over the last um, the last episode, we talked about uh, the transfer decision and why you need to think critically about how you live wealth onto your loved ones. We talked about why you need to do it because, one, God owns it all, and how you make that decision um, definitely impacts the kingdom of God. And we also talked about uh, the transfer decision, how to decide um, how to transfer um to whom to transfer the wealth to. There are three places you can transfer it to. You can transfer it to your children, you can transfer it to charity, or you can transfer it to the government. Depends on how you make that decision and if you make that decision before you pass. We also talked about three questions to ask uh, when you're making that decision is, uh, what's the best thing that can happen? Or what's the worst thing that can happen? And how likely is that to happen? And how serious is that? You can catch that conversation um, once again by listening to the previous, epi- uh, previous episode. But we're going to continue that conversation. Lauren, um, take it away. Yeah, we, we kind of want to start now at the treatment decision, which is really the, the second step uh, in the process. And we also talked about principles that need to guide us. And uh, last time we talked about the the wisdom principle, the unity principle with your spouse particularly, and also the treasure principle. So in regards to the treatment decision, 
he raises one that is, it's called the uniqueness principle. This one is, in my opinion, very, very challenging uh, for us as parents because in many cases, it doesn't feel right to treat our children differently. We want to treat them all the same. And, and that's typically, I think, the response, even when it comes to our estate planning, is if you have X amount of dollars and you have three or four children or five children, then you want to divide it three, four, or five ways, depending on the number of children, and you want to do it equally. That's typically the response. But the uniqueness principle basically says, love your children equally, but as such, treat them uniquely. And there are all kinds of cases, of course, where it, you know it's important, especially if a child has a disability, where it's important to treat them uniquely, which may involve more financial support for a child in that situation right. uh, than some not disabled in, in any way. So, uh, and, and it's interesting, uh, Ron brings out the point in the book, do, to do otherwise, you know, than to treat them uniquely is actually to dishonor them. And, uh, you know, a parent should consider the differences in children with age, uh, gender, temperament, uh, ability to handle money, their spiritual commitment, their spiritual maturity, even their marriage partners, uh, whether they're known or, or unknown. And uh, it's difficult because I have two children that are not married, one child that is married. So for the children that are unmarried, it's very difficult to consider the unknown partner <laughs> in that circumstance. Um, but those are important things because each family unit is likely going to be unique. They may not necessarily have the same number of children. Um, you know, so, so there are going to be reasons to, to treat them Uniquely, differently. Differently. Yeah, exactly. So it's a parent or grandparent's responsibility to entrust God's resources to children only if they have demonstrated the ability to handle these resources in a manner that would be pleasing to him, who's the owner of all. That's a, that's a challenging statement because the tendency that we have is because they are our children, we're going to give to them equally. Simply because we have three children, we equally divide it. But Ron, you know, makes this statement, you do that only if they've demonstrated the ability to handle those resources. Because we have to go back to the beginning piece of this, which is that God owns it all. So if God owns it all, then we are actually managing his resources. So our passing down to our children, we need to seriously consider are our children, have we passed enough wisdom on to them, which we talked about that in the wisdom principle, have we passed that wisdom on so that they can manage that well? And if we leave money to someone to whom we have not left wisdom, it will be a devastating situation and may not be an example of good stewardship. And if you look throughout the scripture when, when you know Jesus talked about being a good steward and to whom much is given, much is required, so, so that's a requirement that's laid out and a principle that's laid out for us. We are called to be good stewards. And I believe that much prayer, wisdom, and courage are needed in making the treatment decision. 
because it's not easy to say, okay, I'm going to give this amount to this child because of this need, and then another child doesn't have the same amount of need, so they don't require as much, so I'm going to give less. And then it also takes courage to say, okay, I'm going to take a large portion of my estate, and I'm actually going to give it away to charity. Partially because it makes sense uh, from a tax standpoint, but also partially because this is what God has given me, and I believe this is what God has called me to do. That's challenging to do, and it's also challenging to have that conversation with your children who, who knows, may be counting on your, <laughs> your estate coming their way. And the scripture that is referenced is Genesis 37, and it's the story of Joseph, of course, who's really treated uniquely. And uh, I, I've always looked at that story and, you know, the story of Joseph, and I always felt that because he was given the coat of many colors, that's what really bothered all the brothers, and they said, we have to get rid of them. But the scripture really clarifies because verse 3 says basically that Jacob actually loved Joseph, Joseph more than any of his other sons. And that really is the problem. It wasn't really that he was, he was treated uniquely in receiving the coat of many colors, because the reality is God calls us in a unique way, and he calls our children in a unique way for a unique purpose. And God really treats us uniquely as well, you know, in that regard. So if you look at God as our example, and then we as parents of children, we really are called upon to treat our children uniquely. But the problem that Jacob had is that he actually loved Joseph more, and he demonstrated that. Uh, so it, it wasn't the issue of the coat of many colors. That really wasn't the issue. It was that he loved Joseph more. That's what bothered the brothers, and that's what all had to be ironed out in the end. But the coat of many colors, that unique treatment, was the reality is it was proven out in the whole story. God had a unique purpose for Joseph. For Joseph. Exactly. And it was to save the whole nation, and it was to save the whole family, which came out in his dream. But Joseph, in the beginning, didn't even fully understand the dream. But I think that's a prime example of uh, where a family meeting was needed, which we talked about last time, to explain why. to all of the brothers, here's why Joseph is receiving this coat. It's not because I love him more, but it's because he's called uniquely. And there's still a possibility for uh, misunderstanding in all of that, but there's less likelihood if there is a family meeting, put it that way. And Ron makes clear in the book that treatment of our children should come from a base of equal love. And I think that was really the challenge for Jacob. It wasn't coming from a base of equal love because the scripture clearly said he loved Joseph more. So that's definitely where the problem lies. Yep, that's, that's, it's a tough one to, to consider, but I believe that at the end of the day, we talk a lot about accountability here. Um, how we leave this wealth 
um, God will hold us accountable to it because it is God's money. He owns it all. And so we are, um, we will be held responsible for how we, how we leave that behind to our loved ones. Absolutely. And I, and I think in this case, you know, there is also a difference between younger children and, and older children because younger children will not understand the, the differences. So, I mean, when you have younger children, you go on a business trip, you know, you got to make sure that you are treating them equal because (laughs) they understand that, okay, when daddy comes back or mommy comes back from their trip, well, there's a little something for each of them, you know, and, and we were careful when our, when our kids were growing up that Christmas time, we, we tried to a lot as much as possible. We were spending the same amount of money on, on each of them. And boy, was it ever challenging sometimes when you lay out the gifts around the Christmas tree and it's like, Oh, it seems like one child didn't get a whole lot. <laughs> but then, but, but then when you look at it again is, you know, you, when you know your kids very well, I mean, think as a parent for a minute, you know, your kids very well, you go away on a trip, you know what each kids, each child would really like. And you don't buy them all the same thing. You buy them what you think they will definitely appreciate more. You love them. Mm-hmm. You love them all the same. But when you come back and you give them a gift, they all get different gifts because those are the things that mean something to them. Um, you may get one kid a bike because he really wants a bike and that's what's important to him. And you may get the other one, I don't know, a book because he loves to read. And even though yes. they're different gifts, they're unique to those kids and so we need to look at this transfer decision from that perspective as well that your kids are unique and your treatments and how you live this wealth should be unique as well and, and the reality is you know value is i guess it's kind of i just thought about the phrase beauty is in the eye of the beholder Neither. but but value is as well so you know you might spend less on a book for one child and more on a bike for another child, but because of the uniqueness of each of those children, they value, they don't look at, well, you paid $30 for one gift and $200 for another gift. They look at and they treasure what you have given them, in some cases because you gave it to them, but in other cases because it's important to them. And, And I think that's also where the uniqueness principle comes into play and it's it's pretty powerful to think about but we tend to default when it comes to our our money that we have to distribute that equally to our children but the most important thing is that we love them equally and and there is a big difference and one statement that's made in the book that really stood out to me is this one, remember, you are the steward and accountable to God. You are not accountable to your, your children, children about how you transfer or spend his money. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Yeah. But we, we have that sense of, I think, accountability to our children. It seems to come automatic. You know, we want to be fair to all of them. And, you know, how, how do we define what is even fair? You know, as an example, if if uh, you have a business and you have one child that's very much involved in the business and another child that's not interested in the business at all, then why would you transfer? And 
your business is probably the most valuable asset that you have, but why would you transfer your business assets to a child who has expressed absolutely no interest in that? So, so that's a situation where treating one child uniquely because they have a they have invested part of their life life in the business. It makes a lot of sense. Definitely does. Yeah. So let's let's uh, moving on. Let's talk about the the timing decision. Um, I think we just spoke about the treatment decision. Let's talk about the timing decision. At, at, at what point do we now begin to um, transfer these assets? Generally, the the prevailing thought is okay. Well, you transfer it when you pass away. But we're going to challenge that and uh, and talk about. What if you start transferring that? Now, granted, not everyone may have enough to be able to start transferring right away or may even have substantial wealth. But I think this is something that uh, we have to look at it from both sides. What do you say, Lauren? Yeah, well, I, you know, and I, and I think going back to the foundation of our discussion is we need to be guided by principles and principles from Scripture. So the timing decision uh, we need to look at, Ron brings out the kingdom principle. And uh, so, I mean, the verse that I immediately think about is Matthew 6 and 33 is seek first his kingdom. So we need to also consider that in our estate planning or wealth transfer decision as well. Are we seeking first his kingdom even in how we are transferring that wealth? So we need to time our wealth transfer to maximize its use. And so that could mean giving out of wealth now. And, and typically, I, I think people have traditionally given out of their income as opposed to out of their wealth. And if we have a focus that's more guided by a biblical principle around the kingdom, we will also look at, well, if God has prospered us in such a way that we are able to have investments that are made, then we typically tend to think about our investment in the sense of, okay, this is for our retirement. This is for our future. Well, how does that coincide with the kingdom principle where Jesus told us to seek first his kingdom? Well, maybe even when we're considering our assets. And this is a challenge, even for me as a, as a, a previous financial advisor, you know, when I talk to clients about giving Part of my thinking was, I can't encourage my clients to give money away because I'm managing that money for them. This is how I'm getting paid. This is how I'm, <laughs> I'm making a living. But my focus was wrong. My focus was not kingdom principled. And, and when I think about that kingdom principle about seeking first, then it's, well, maybe it's important that I actually give out of my wealth now as opposed to waiting. And the other principle that Ron talks about is giving while you're living. And uh, he adds to that, do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, the reality is once we die, we transfer it to our beneficiaries or our heirs, then how do we know truly where it's going? Where it goes. And yeah, Ecclesiastes 6, uh, or actually Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 13, it says, There is a grievous evil 
which is riches being hoarded by their owner. And we can very easily get into a position where we are accumulating money. And the challenge with the accumulation of money is that our focal point and our trust actually begins to shift. So we begin to have confidence for provision in the wealth that we've accumulated as opposed to in God. And the, the scripture that comes to my mind in, in regards to this is First Timothy, where Timothy was instructed by Paul to instruct those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. First Timothy so six. that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So again, it's a change of our focus so that we, while we are living here, we actually have an opportunity to give. And why not take advantage of that opportunity as opposed to just accumulate it and give it at death? One interesting thing, Shell, that uh, that he brought out, uh, Ron brought out in the book, and because I've even been challenged with this, and the and the question is, if you give through your estate, is it actually giving? Because or you don't have a choice. <laughs> you, you're actually leaving it, <laughs> as opposed to giving it. That's, that's right. So. Uh, and, and Ron brings, brings out one of the motivations for giving is eternal rewards. So the question becomes, do you get credit for what you leave in your estate? Because that's all you're doing is really leaving it. Not and he, he is, is of the opinion that if you want credit for something, you do your giving while you're living. And so I, I think that's a challenging thought as well. And, and I, Thinking as a, even from my perspective or anybody who's probably in or closer retirement for just for 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 a second, I know some of the fear there could be okay. Um, if I start giving all this money right now, am I gonna have enough to live for retirement? Um, am I gonna run out of money? Mm-hmm. Where how, how do we balance that? Yeah, and and you're getting into the how much is enough question. And, you know, will there be enough and will there continue to be enough <laughs> as I get older? And, and I think a lot of it is, is understanding the source of our provision and the source of where our trust uh, needs to be, because we can, as I previously said, very simply shift our trust to our wealth instead of to God who richly provides. Mm-hmm. And Ron makes some points about this. He says, uh, how much is enough? It's, it's a function of these variables. One is your age. So the older you are, the less you actually need. So the reality is the older you are, the more you should actually be able to give away of your wealth, if you think about it. Uh, your health and your ability to earn income is obviously a factor because if you're still able to work and continue to bring income in, Uh, you may not need as much. The ages of your children, the needs of your children, and the fifth thing is accomplishing God-given objectives, which that's something a lot of us don't think about a lot because we tend to give from our income only. 
instead of giving from our wealth. And, you know, we kind of look to our wealth as, well, that's our retirement pot. But the reality is, as we age, that pot doesn't need to be as large as we think it needs to be. And the re- we may never spend all that we've accumulated. So it's that responsibility that we have as a steward. And, and I think that's the, that's the last principle that Ron really, really brings out is, is the stewardship principle, which goes back to the foundation, which is really God owns it all. So Ron also brings out three motivating reasons to give. And one we've already mentioned is the prospect of eternal rewards. And it's also the unleashing of God's compound rates of return. So, you know, we think about rates of return, obviously, as, as financial professionals, we look at it and we want to get a good rate of return on our investment. But we don't necessarily think about that in terms of our giving. What kind of a rate of return are we getting on what we're giving into kingdom cause? And what eternal uh, treasure is being accumulated because we have given here on earth. And the other motivating factor is the uncertainty of the future. And so if you think about, and I mean, you, you, you're old enough, Shell, to have lived through some stock market declines. Yes, for sure. You know, how many people have kind of grieved over a significant loss when the market declines and the regret that comes, oh, I lost 50,000, I lost 100,000. I mean, these are just numbers that you throw out there, but we look at it and say, if you had given that $50,000 or that $100,000 away, you would not consider it a loss you would consider it, it's gone, it's out of your portfolio, but you've given it to a cause. And if you've given it to a kingdom cause, then there are eternal rewards that are, are factored in and, and treasure that's laid up. So it's when we release our money like that, we are actually unleashing God's compounded rate of return. And the scriptures talk about some 30-fold, some 60-fold, mm-hmm. some 100-fold. These are the types of returns that we get on an investment that we make in the kingdom. Amen. So, and, and, and the, the other thing as well is, uh, you know, around that is an investment that we make uh, in kingdom purposes typically will change lives. And that has an impact, you know, it, it reverberates 10 years from now, 15, 20 years, 30 years from now, there's still an impact that we have from a gift that we've given maybe 20, 30 years ago. Some of That's those, amazing to think about. Yeah, some of those some of those gifts would, 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 would get to see the impact it makes on the lives of people around us, or even if you don't, um, maybe far off. And long some of those gifts, long after you're gone, keep giving. If, if your gift helps change um, someone's life who then becomes a believer and let's say he's the first generation um, to be saved in his family, then that potentially has a an impact on how he raises his family and maybe his kids come to know Christ like he he has. And I mean, I look at my life, I'm the fourth generation of, of, of those who have walked with Christ. And I can imagine that that's a gift that keeps giving. Absolutely. And that's because there are values that are passed down. 
from one generation to the next. And so, you know, going back to the wisdom principle, that's what we need to pass on. And that's, you know, some may be listening today and saying, well, I don't have significant wealth uh, to pass to my children. But you have a wealth in wisdom <laughs> yes. to, to pass on. E- even if you don't or you don't feel like you have a lot of finances to pass to your, to your children or even to a charitable work, then God has given to each of us a measure of wisdom. And I think in many respects, that can be more valuable because if your children have wisdom, they actually have an ability to create their own wealth. Or, as Scripture clearly uh, clarifies for us, you know, if, if we can build a relationship of our children, to have our children have a relationship with the Lord, then he gives them the power to create, to create wealth. wealth. So Deuteronomy. It, it, it comes from that wisdom that we can help our children to have. So to me, I look at it, that's more valuable than giving a million dollars to my children. Oh, yes. If I can give them wisdom, they can create their own wealth, manage their own families. That's, I, I don't know how you can actually measure that in that regard. So that's an encouragement to, to anyone who uh, feels like this conversation is above them when it comes to managing wealth, because there is wisdom that you have, that God has given to you, and that's something that we are also stewards over, and we are, we are called, and, and I know we all want to hear that resounding, well done, faithful good servant. and faithful servant. And the reality is most most people that would listen to this podcast are in the Western world. We're talking U.S. and Canada. And when we look at that, for those of us who live in North America, we have, uh, even if you are not extremely wealthy and you're what, you cons- what we consider middle class, you have a lot more than probably 80% of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to factor in, regardless of your lifestyle or how much you think you make or how much you think you have. You have a lot more than millions around the world. So that is still something to think about as to uh, what I have. How can I make sure that, one, I'm using it wisely right now? And two, um, should I pass, I can pass that on wisely within wisdom to those, to my loved ones or to wherever God places in your heart. At the end of the day, that decision has to come from a kingdom biblical perspective is what would honor God the most with what I have? Absolutely. And Ron asked a challenging question uh, under this stewardship principle. He says, what if you were standing before God at the end of your life? And he asked, I chose you to have a better lifestyle than six billion other people I created. That's billion with a B. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How did you use those resources? How did you leave those resources? Because I think that's probably a question that we will be asked. Uh, You know, uh, and and the requirement is there that we are to be found faithful as stewards. So it's how did we use those resources? And also how did we leave them? That's challenging, you know, and and the decisions that we make around wealth transfer, 
we talked about it's a spiritual decision. It's a spiritual journey that we're walking through to make those decisions. And it's important that they be God-honoring because we are only stewards. We're just managers of these, of these assets that God has given to us. So our goal, our ultimate goal, is to please God in the decisions that we make around that. Mm-hmm. And one quote that I'd, I'd like to leave with your, you and your listeners is from uh, R.G. Letourneau. And he lived for many years, and he gradually built his income so that he could actually live on 10% of his income and give away 90% to Christian work. So he actually reversed what we traditionally see as 10% belongs to God. So we give our 10% and the 90 is left to us to do what we wish. But the reality is the message of stewardship is the 100% is given to us by God. So we are responsible to him. But here's the question. Um, he said, the question he said is how much of my money I give to God or sorry, it's not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of God's money I keep for myself. (laughs) So that's an interesting shift. That's a very profound shift. Mm -hmm. And one that's not easy to make but one that's very, very important for us to make because it's really a change in perspective about stewardship and about who owns it all. So I just want to repeat that. The question is not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of God's money I keep for myself. Sobering question. Very, very sobering question. The next decision to um, just to quickly wrap this up, um, we talked about the the why, the, the decision to transfer to whom, the treatment decision, the timing, and now the decision is the what. Well, there are many things you could transfer to your children. Um, it could be property. It could be your um, investments. It could be your business. Do you want to shed a, a bit more light on that for us, Lauren? I mean, yeah, and, it, and it's a, it's a question of uh, part of it is timing, as to as to when you do it. It's it's wrapping up the whole thing, and how much attention is paid to titling of these assets. That's typically what happens in estate planning, and there tends to be more of an attempt to control those assets, whereas wealth transfer. The emphasis is completely on stewardship and God's ownership. So how do you do it? When do you do it? I think it is an individual decision, but I think it's important that we get godly counsel. That's the important thing, and that's the whole reason, to be honest, that Kingdom Advisors exist, is we want to provide a slate of financial professionals who are guided by biblical principles who can help in those decisions around timing and help you walk through it. So walk through it in such a way that it just doesn't make sense financially or from a tax perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. What is God asking you to do? When is God asking you to do it? When is the right timing? And I, you know, I believe having some spiritual guidance, and this is why I refer to our slate of kingdom advisors across Canada and the U.S. as well, 
they're like biblical or, or financial pastors, you know, because they help guide and counsel you in the area of your finances. And these are some pretty significant decisions that need to be made. So we need to get godly counsel to actually do that and to time those decisions. And, and then the, the, the decisions on the techniques and the tools that are used. Uh, we're not going to cover this part in this um, episode. We will have another episode where we talk about what are some of the tools and the techniques that we use to that you can use to transfer your wealth. We're talking about wills, trusts, um, estate freezes. There's so many um, tools that we can use, but we're going to cover that in a, in, a, in a separate episode. And then the other decision to um, consider is the, um, the talk decision. Um, communicating these decisions that you've gone through, this whole process you've gone through with your family and the communicating the why, who, how much, when, what, and how is, is, is having that family conversation. And it's like we said at, um, in previous episode, it's not a one-time conversation. It's a conversation that should continue to happen, um, especially when you have older children. And even for those with younger children, it's a conversation that um, you continue having with them as you um, pass on wisdom to um, to them on how to manage their money. That's that's why we are here. That's why I do what I do is to help families and businesses um, help them manage money in a way that honors God. And that's why I became a part of Kingdom Advisors, because um, even before I found Kingdom Advisors, it's something I had already started doing. But being a part of such an organization that really helps me um, put in this, um, apply this wisdom has been phenomenal. And so that decision to talk, um, to have a conversation with your with your family is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's certainly a good idea to have a family conference uh, before you die. <laughs> You know, and and we said previously, you know, it's there is going to be a family meeting. It's it's a matter of are you going to be in attendance or not, or is it going to be after your your you die and your wishes are read out? And so this is it's not a one time event to have a family conference like this or a family meeting uh, because things change over time. So one meeting is not sufficient. So whether you do it annually or or semi-annually. And and the other point about that is sometimes it's good to also have a facilitator there. So, you know, in your role as a kingdom advisor, Shell, I think that would be a valuable thing that you can bring to your clients to be available to be part of a family meeting. And because, I mean, you know the, you know the, likely the couple that you're dealing with, uh, but then there is an opportunity to be part of and to facilitate that family discussion so the important things are shared with the children who are the heirs uh, of of the wealth that is to come. And hopefully and, the values are passed on too. And absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think that meeting is actually an opportunity where, uh, you know, you can share your heart and your wishes. The, there's an opportunity as well for the heirs to ask questions and, you know, clarity. It's, it's therefore then an opportunity to pass on wisdom from one generation to the next. And, and even to discuss this whole wealth transfer process and, and even to share some of your passions around giving and, and what causes 
have moved you in your lifetime and, and these are the causes that you wish to support uh, because typically people don't give all of their money away before they die because they still continue to need some of that wealth. So typically, even if someone is very generous, there still tends to be some left at death that the next steward is going to be responsible for. So I think the family meeting, that talk decision, the last step in the process, is an ongoing one. It's not a one-time event. It's ongoing, and it's ongoing for all of those, all of those valuable reasons. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. uh, this has been a very heavy topic, a very um, interesting conversation, and um, I, I hope this has challenged you. Uh, Lauren, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining this and for um, agreeing to do this. Um, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you or talk to you for other advisors who may listen to this and want to become a part of Kingdom Advisors, whether in the U.S. or Canada, um, Ron is the president of the Canadian um, chapter. And even within the Canadian chapters, we have smaller chapters depending on your region or where you live. We have small, we have uh, small group meetings once a month. Uh, but Lauren, um, if anybody wanted to reach you, um, how could they get in touch with you? They can uh, certainly give me a call the traditional way, which is uh, 855-209-8807. Uh, or they can email me, lauren.robinson at kingdomadvisors.com. But probably the easiest way is just searching the Kingdom Advisors website, which uh, any of the uh, just kingdomadvisors.com. And at at a brief look, you might feel like this is a, you have the sense that this is an American website, but it is not. Uh, If you're looking for a Christian advisor, you might have picked up this podcast and you're from a a different area of Canada. We have financial professionals all across Canada, more and more who are studying the biblical principles and uh, doing the Certified Kingdom Advisor training. And that's becoming the gold standard in North America of, of biblical financial advice. And I'm of the belief that a Christian financial advisor should provide a different level and standard of advice that is more biblically principled and guided by godly principles. And that's where you need to be getting good counsel. So if you're a Christian, you know the Lord, you're looking for an advisor who will speak the same language uh, as you do and understand where you're coming from in your desire to give into kingdom purposes, then search for a kingdom advisor. You can do it in a certain uh, mile radius. It is miles because It is U.S., but you can search there and find, you can search by postal code or by city and find an advisor. And if not, uh, certainly feel free to get in touch with me. So lauren.robinson at kingdomadvisors.com. And thank you very much, Shell, for the opportunity to share in your program today. Uh, Very sobering and challenging information, but important because it's based on God's word, and that's what guides all of our lives. Amen. And um, if you missed um, any of the information we just gave out, um, you will find it in the show notes. Um, you can find this podcast at sacapital.ca slash podcast. Uh, feel free to leave a review um, or send us a comment through whichever of the applications you use, whether it's um, iTunes, Spotify, 
um, Google Play. We are on a lot of the different platforms for listening to podcasts. Um, I'm your host, Shewadeyemi. Thank you very much and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast. And you can reach us at 1-888-365-8883, extension 377. Or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, Show Adeyemi. Thank you. Madden and Mitchell Media.